y'all today? Everybody doing well? Amen, amen. Let's just invite Jesus to be the Lord of the day. Can we do that? Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you are in our midst. Thank you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is moving in this place right now in hearts and lives. Thank you, Lord, that as we came to worship you today, you brought us here together, Lord, to do all kinds of wonderful things in our midst. God, you want to clarify things in our minds. You want to put at peace, God, things we've been struggling with. Lord, you want to heal our sicknesses and our diseases. Jesus, you want to do things beyond our imagination, and today we invite you to do that. We say, yes, Lord, come in. Speak to us by your word. Touch us by your spirit, that as we go out of this place today, we will know that we've met with you and experienced your presence. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. So good to have you today. We're in part two of our series called ID. And the heart of this ID series is to bring the truth and the love of Jesus Christ into a struggle that so many people face in our world today. Can I tell you something, friends? As Christians, we cannot shrink back from the struggles that people are dealing with. We cannot walk away from crisis in our culture and not speak to those crises. We cannot be silent as we see the enemy try to get in amongst our fellow human beings and destroy them. It's been a disappointment to me. I'm not uh, a church critic, and I'm never going to put myself in the position of being a church watchdog to tell everybody else what they ought to do and how they ought to live. I don't believe I have the right to tell every pastor how they ought to preach and how they ought to lead their churches. But it's been a disappointment in my own heart to see some leaders with major platforms in the United States and around the world fail to bring clarity to issues that are so pressing in our culture today. There are people out there who are drowning in identity crisis, and they don't know what to do about it. And they're struggling with it and fighting about it. And the enemies of of their souls, the enemy of their soul has come against them to try to steal their God-given identity. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ is placed on this earth to be salt and light. We are the presence of Jesus. We are the power of God's word. We are people called to shine in the midst of the darkness the light of Jesus. We're called to be the salt of the earth. And there are times we are called to be courageous and speak truth in love. There are times we're called to stand up and speak to things that may hurt people's feelings and may bring some offense to them. But I want to tell you something. If you're struggling and you're in bondage, you need somebody to speak into your life that cares more about your eternal soul than they care about hurting your feelings. When I go to a doctor and I need help, I don't want him or her to shrink away from telling me the truth about what's going on in me for fear it might hurt my feelings. I want them to look at my life and find out what's really going on and tell me about it even if it hurts. Give me a diagnosis and put me on a path toward a solution. We're called to stand up and we're called to speak up in the midst of a culture that struggles with identity. Many of us as Christians, we know what we believe. We know what we've always believed. And what we've believed from the scriptures is still true today in the midst of a shifting culture. But we struggle with things. 
I've had a couple of times, two or three times, I've been in stores and I would, uh, someone would come to help me and I would call them by a pronoun that, that was very logical to me for my eyes and my instincts and everything I've known for 55 years told me what gender that they are. And I used a pronoun that corresponded with what I've known to be true all my life, yet they got miffed and walked away. And when they walked away, I looked at them and I realized they were attempting to transition to another gender. And what I said had brought offense to them. It's never my desire to hurt anybody's feelings. It's never my desire to be arrogant. And when I realized I'd hurt their feelings, the one thing I wanted to do, I wish I could have talked to them and hugged them and just let the love of Jesus flow out of me to them that, that we could have talked about the issue rather than walking away. But we struggle with that as Christians. I know many of you are struggling on the job because you're being asked to use pronouns for people that do not correspond to what you see and what you know and what you believe. And the struggle with it is so so increasing today that new pronouns are coming out all the time and new genders are coming out all the time and the thing is getting so complicated that no one knows what to say anymore and no no one understands how they're going to catalog all this. No one knows how to walk in truth without offending people. It's a difficult world that we live in and I know you're struggling with that as I am. We live in a world and this is where I can get a little angry about it, but I want to keep the heart of Jesus. We live in a world where we're pushing things on our children that they were not meant to handle as children. We're teaching our children at a very early age about things that their mind is not simply not equipped to handle. We're asking our children to make decisions that they're not capable of making. I'm going to call it what it is, okay? Just hang with me. We're giving our children medicine to block puberty that is a natural God-given process that takes place in their body to make them who God created them to be. And we're giving puberty blockers to children, not thinking about what that's going to cause them in their lives just a few years down the road. We're looking at a crisis just a few years down the road when these children realize what has been done to them. We're doing surgeries on children, on minors. We're doing surgery on them to alter, and I would call it mutilate their body to create some gender, some identity in them. We live in the midst of a very difficult culture, and in that culture, we are called to be salt and light. Some of us may think, and I've been tempted to think that this is new. I want you to hear me. None of these things are new to planet Earth. None of these things are new. We're going to go back about 2,500 years to a culture in Daniel chapter 1 that saw these exact things. Daniel chapter 1, the scene is really traumatic. You have four young Jewish boys who've been kidnapped by a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar. They've been taken away from their homes and they've been placed in training to give them a new identity. An identity apart from their identity as the people of God and as sons of God and an identity that would make them sons of Babylon and sons of Nebuchadnezzar. And let's read it together in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 7. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, 
the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they may teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. These four boys were about 17 years old when this happened. They were taken away from their home and everything that was familiar. They were shipped off to Babylon and put in three years of training by the Babylonians to reshape their identity. Can I tell you that's what the enemy is doing with our young people today? You say, you ever heard somebody say that history often repeats itself? Why is that? They say unless we learn the lessons of history, we're doomed to repeat them again. I want to give you a spiritual take on that you may not have thought about before. It is true that history repeats itself, and I want to tell you why I believe that's true. The characters come and go, the people come and go, but the evil spirits that worked in them against one generation remain in the world. And they try to inhabit someone else to do the same things in future generations. You hear that? This may seem crazy to some of y'all, but just hang with us. I'm assuming you came to church this morning and know who we are and know what we're going to do. And we're going to give you God's word. We believe there is a spiritual world behind this natural world that operates through the natural. And we believe there are demonic spiritual beings who have been in this earth a long time and who stay on this earth, who one day will be cast into a lake of fire. Can anybody say hallelujah? They know it and their end is sure. It's already been determined. But until that day, they're going to try to move in this earth to destroy God's highest creation. That's you and me. I'm going to just preach this morning. Satan rebelled against God. He's an angel in heaven. He rebelled against God. God threw him out of heaven along with a third of the angels in heaven that were caught up in rebellion, threw them down here. And they thought they were going to rule and reign down here. And God said, I've got second thoughts about that. Oh, this is good. I'm excited. God said, let us make man in our image. Let us take man and put him into that domain where Satan has been cast down to. And let man who is in our image take dominion over all the works of darkness that are on that globe. We're not called just to build an organization, folks. We're not called just to build a church. We're called to take dominion over works of darkness in our community and stand in the power of Jesus Christ and the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And we come up against these same spirits that have plagued man since the very beginning. I believe 
that the demonic spirits that invaded Adolf Hitler are still at work in the world today. Are you praying for the peace of Jerusalem this morning? Are you believing God for that? He calls us to pray for that. Do you know anti-Semitism is a demonic hatred that has existed in the world because the devil hates any of God's people. He hates the Jews. He hates the church. Those who would come against the people of God are operating under the influence. People think Hitler was a powerful man. Hitler was dominated by the devil. Like very few people in history, the devil had unfettered use of this man. But hear me, the same spirit that motivated him is still working in the world today, trying to find somebody else he can use that way. And we're called to stand up against such and take dominion over the works of darkness. The same things that happen in Babylon are happening in our world today. I want to tell you how they tried to change these four young men. They tried to completely reshape them. First of all, they very likely changed their physical bodies. Now, this is not uh, spelled out exactly in the text, but it is at the same time. I want you to check this out with me, and maybe you've never thought of this before, of Daniel and his three friends. Verse 3 said, the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs. I want you to understand who this man was. This was a man that oversaw the eunuchs in the kingdom. The eunuchs were young men that were set apart for service to the Babylonian king. And in order to make them good servants to the king, they removed their sexual organs. A eunuch is a man whose sexual organs have been surgically removed for the purposes of someone else. They always thought that a eunuch made the best service in the servant in the king's palace because he'd be less motivated to take over. Because he would be unable to have children and raise up a dynasty. Because someone that had become a eunuch could be trusted around the king's wife and the king's daughters. So it was common practice for them to take young men into the service of the king in his court and to remove their sexual unit, uh, their sexual organs to make them useful to the king. We don't know for certain that this happened to these young men. But when you read it, verse 7 says, the chief of the eunuchs gave them their names. They were under the authority of their master, and their master's title was master of the eunuchs. So it makes sense to me that Daniel and his friends and others had had their sexual organs removed. You may not know this, but it's prophesied in two or three places in the Bible that this would happen to the young men of Israel if the nation turned against God. One instance, Isaiah 39, 7, says, They shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. I believe the Babylonians removed these young men's sexual organs to emasculate them and to make them subservient to the king and subservient to the Babylonian culture. Can I tell you right now, it is so wrong to subject any child. These guys were minors. We know from the dates of Daniel, Daniel was 16 or 17 years old when this happened. It is absolutely I want to be unequivocal about this. It is evil to subject a child to the removal of their sexual organs. 
because of some identity you think they should have. It is evil, it is wrong, and a moral society would stamp it out and stop it from happening, as we should. Hey, I know it's heavy today. Do we still love each other? I know it's heavy today, but we need to hear some truth today so we can bring clarity to those around it that need it so desperately. This type of life-altering decision is wrong for a child. We say they're too young to drink. We say they're too young to drive. We say they're too young to vote. Well, they're too young then to make permanent decisions. Let me ask you a question. How many of you did not have some confusion when you hit puberty? Is there any among us who could say, I never had confusion about my sexual impulses? I can't, and I don't believe you can either. You take a child in that confusing time in their lives when they don't know what they feel and their body is waking up to so much and you should subject them to that. I'm going to tell you what the enemy's trying to do. I may tick some people off, but I'm, a, I'm in the mood to do it this morning. Um, the enemy's trying to emasculate our society. The enemy's trying to take men out of our society. Let me tell you something. We need men. Society needs men. Let me tell you something. Ladies, we don't do it without y'all. Can I get an amen? Before you think I'm elevating men above women, let me just tell you this. I'm not on this stage without my wife. I'm not doing what I do without my wife. Without her, I can't be everything that I'm called to be. But this culture today is trying to emasculate everyone and take men out of the picture. Because you take the men out, it's easier to dominate a culture. Amen or oh me, I'm just going to tell it this morning. And if we have to pay the price for it, we'll pay it because that's what Jesus called us to do. Can I get an amen? <laughs> trying to take away. We hear a lot of talk about toxic masculinity. Let me tell you, anything that's toxic is not true masculinity. Man that'll hit a woman's not a real man. Man that'll dominate a woman's not a real man. Man that walks around in cruelty is not walking in masculinity. A true man's going to elevate his spouse, going to elevate, what's the word, femininity. He's going to honor and treasure and serve and love and partner with. You look in the culture today. Watch television. I'm not advising you to, but there it is. Find a good father role on television and come tell me about it. The dad's on television. Yeah, Andy Griffith. Thank you, Granny Belva. <laughs> Any Andy Griffith Show fans here? Hallelujah. I'm among my people. I heard a joke about Andy Griffith. This is absolutely free today. said, did you notice hardly anybody was married? Andy was single. Barney was single. You know, Gomer was single. Goober was single. Floyd was single. The only one in town that was married was Otis, and he was the drunk. <laughs> Granny Belva, you've knocked me off this morning. I don't know that I can get back. I was in a heavy mood here, and now we're laughing, right? You go on and you try to find a godly, strong father figure 
most fathers for decades have been portrayed as buffoons and laughable characters. Men, can I tell you something? It's time for us to be men. Men, can I tell you it's time for us to be men? It's time for us to stand up for what we believe in, not in an ugly, harsh, or cruel way at all. That's not masculinity. It's just time for us to stand up and say what we believe and love and serve our families. It's time for men to stand up in the culture and reject this attempt to take away our masculinity. They change their bodies. Secondly, they change their names. As if changing their bodies wasn't enough, they decided to change their very names. Uh, these four boys' names all pointed to God. Daniel and Mishael, you know the E-L at the end of their names, Daniel and Mishael, the L points to the Old Testament name for God, El Elohim. Uh, the other two, um, um, Hananiah and Azariah, the A-H at the end of their name is a form of the word Jehovah, the Old Testament name for God. All four of these boys were given names by their parents that pointed to the one true God. And the Babylonians said, we can't have that. We can't have them with a God-honoring, God-given identity. We have to reshape their identities and point their identities toward a false God. Daniel, the name means God is my judge. They changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means Baal, a false Babylonian god, Bel, B-E-L. Bel, protect my life. See, one name says God is my source, God is my judge, God is my protector. The name they give, gave him then was to say, no, another God replaces that. Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means illuminated by the sun God. Mishael means who is like God. Meshach means who is like Venus. Azariah means Jehovah is my helper. Abednego, the Babylonian name means servant of Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom. Can I tell you something? They tried to point him to the god of wisdom. They tried to point him to the god of the sun and the god of the moon and the false gods. Let me tell you, my one true God and your one true God created the sun and the moon. Our God created Venus. Our God is the author of all wisdom. Can I just tell you this? If you're struggling with an identity issue, we're not here to beat you up this morning. It's completely the contrary. We're here to love you. Get your identity from him and not from your captors. Some of you have been abused, and it's awful, and it was horrible. Some people in this room have undergone abuse as children. It's no mistake that Nebuchadnezzar didn't go after the adults because he knew the adults had enough strength and experience and wisdom to defend themselves. He went after the defenseless so he could rewrite the script in their lives. Some of you were abused as a child. Can I tell you something? God can completely unhitch your life from that abuser. God can set you free from that. Do not let that person have any word anymore about your identity.
Cast out the voices of your abusers and your captors and hear the one voice that you need to hear. That's the voice of Jesus Christ who knows who you are. He told Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you. It's good preaching today. Before you were there. The Bible says we are, I'm preaching next week already. We were knit together by God in the womb. And he did it perfectly to suit who he's called you to be. If you're struggling with that. You have our mercy and you have our love and our support. But understand, Jesus wants to come in and do a work of healing in your life. Get the voice of the captors out. Understand, we're still fighting a spiritual battle. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. Ashpenaz is gone. All the officers of the court are gone. But the spirits that led them are still here on planet earth trying to do the same things again. What do we do? What do we do? Here's what Daniel did. They were offering, I I didn't even tell you, they changed their diet. They also changed their education, their culture. They tried. Daniel did something and it says in verse 8, this is what Daniel did. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. I believe these two verses here tell us how we're to live in the midst of a world that's trying to shape us in their culture. And here's what I want to tell you first of all. You got to know what you believe. You got to know what you believe. You need to get on your knees and you need to get in the Word of God and you need to hear the preaching of the Word of God and you need to study the Word of God and you need to know what God has told you and what you believe. Daniel purposed in his heart based on what he believed. He said, it's not for me to have the king's wine and the king's food and the king's delicacies. I know what I need to put into my life. I don't have time to say this, but Christians, be very careful about the inputs. Be careful about what you're putting into your mind and putting into your body. Daniel purposed in his heart and knew what he believed. But I want to tell you what Daniel didn't do. He didn't surrender his spiritual authority. He didn't get mad. He didn't go to war with the person. I know that Daniel prayed three times a day. Later in his life, they threw him in a lion's den because he prayed. When you're walking in spiritual authority... You can take a nap in the middle of things that ought to kill you. I picture Daniel in the lion's den laying his head down on one of the lion's backs. Man. 
he went to sleep in the middle of the trial and spent the night. There's a beautiful picture in Daniel, King Darius. The one that threw him in there stayed up all night. The one in the den slept. <coughs> Amen. Daniel kept his spiritual authority. He requested of the master of the eunuchs. He explained his situation and said, I don't want to defile myself. People are coming to me asking me, what do I do at work? I'm being asked to do things that I don't believe. I'm being asked to use language that I don't believe. What do I do? Know what you believe. Don't throw a tantrum or pitch a fit. Go respectfully Go respectfully. Thank you. Does everybody in the room know how hard I'm trying not to cough right now? I didn't even check to see if you'd open that yet, but God bless, God bless you. I'm not giving this back to anybody either, all right? Thank you so much. He went respectfully. I don't know the complexities of your situation and what you're going through. But I can tell you this, if you go respectfully, God can grant you favor with men. Yes. Amen. Yes. <coughs> can I finish with a cough drop in my mouth? Yes. I've been battling all weekend to get here today. And I said, God, I've got to preach this difficult message and I don't want to cough. But it's okay. Here's the deal. Hmm, my taste good. I may start doing this all the time. <laughs> I'm never going to exchange the favor of God for the favor of man. I'm never going to throw away my standing in him to make somebody else happy. But if you live righteously, the favor of God will come in your life. And he'll give you favor with other people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege we have to serve you, to love you, to know you. Thank you, Jesus, that we can walk into difficult situations with your truth and your love. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this place. You've emboldened some people today to live for you. And God, I ask you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, may we go out into our jobs, into our workplaces, into a culture that's increasingly dark <coughs> and bring light this in the mighty name of Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please, all across the sanctuary. 
you're here today and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, He knows you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're feeling today. And He cares. If you'd like to say yes to Him today, I won't embarrass you, I promise, but I'd love to see your hand. Can I see your hand today? I'm saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. Upward, you can do better than that. There are people saying yes to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray right now with them. Lord Jesus, pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Today I give my life to you. From this day forward, I'm yours. Forgive my sin. Come, in, come into my heart fill me with your love and from this day forward I'll follow you amen and amen would you stand you know what's coming God's pouring out his favor on his church God's pouring out his favor on his church what needs to happen in our culture it's not just a war of ideas it's a spiritual war and you only win spiritual wars with power. The power of God's going to flow in His church. His favor is going to rest on you in such a way. Did you know this? I told you I wasn't done with you. I landed the plane real quick, got a cough drop, and I'm back again. You're like, do we have to stand up for all the rest of it? Yes, you do. Do you know that Daniel served beyond Nebuchadnezzar? He was 17 years old. Daniel was still in the king's court when he was 90. In a whole different kingdom. And did you know this? Jesus is able to change hearts through his power. Bible quiz time. And I'm going to let you go. Because other people are coming in to get your seats. But. I'll take all the laughs I can get. Daniel served in king after king after king after king. But Bible quiz time, who are the Gentile authors of Scripture? Most people can name one, and that's Luke, the non-Jewish authors of Scripture. But there's a chapter in Daniel that was written by King Nebuchadnezzar himself. King Nebuchadnezzar wrote a full chapter in the Bible and in that chapter he decreed the most high. God's shaping hearts and shaping lives. Amen. I proclaim over you the blessing of God's favor. As you walk with him in the love of Jesus, his favor will rest upon you and his favor will favor with others so that you can speak into their lives. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit make it known. Amen. Love y'all. Love y'all. Blessed day. See you soon.